You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Waterloo. To find out more, visit oasiswaterloo.org. Welcome to the Nevertheless She Persisted podcast, which is the follow-up to the uh, series of talks we've just done as part of Oasis uh, Church Waterloo and the Global Gathering. And I am joined today by three other brilliant women who are going to introduce themselves and we're going to begin with the wonderful joe joe hello i'm joe dolby i'm the hub leader at oasis in buff and i lead oasis church buff thanks joe rebecca i'm rebecca and i'm part of the team at oasis waterloo and uh, danielle I'm Danielle, and I'm also part of the team at Oasis Waterloo. So any of you who are listening, you can try and work out who, which were these people, uh, which week did they do. But we're going to explore um, the experience of pulling the series together. We're going to talk about what it felt like for us as women doing that, um, the process itself, and also some of the things that we spotted um, and noticed as we were um, preparing uh, all of our sessions. So, uh, but to kick off with a question for everybody. Um, when you were preparing and you were doing this series that we've all just done together, um, what was it like doing it? But you've only got three words. You can only choose three words. Okay. What was it like for you doing this series? I'm going to go with Danielle first. Um, it was collaborative. It was maybe a little bit challenging. And one more word, enriching. Very good. I think that other people are going to be annoyed that you just took the word collaborative. But anyway, I know. Uh, <laughs> Rebecca, what did you think? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go for it anyway. But I said um, collaborative. Uh, inspiring and um this maybe doesn't quite fit but I said unraveling unraveling mm. oh you've got to come back to that a bit later on thank you Joe. yeah similar similar vibes I've got educational Ooh. uh inspirational and then I thought about challenging but I, there's something for me about it kind of um it made me feel like grateful like uh aware of my privilege when I think about some of the experiences of of women in the bible Sorry, that's not one word. I've broken the rules. <laughs> oh, it's typical. No, that's great. It's really good. Thank you. So um, uh, I guess a question just to kick us off with. Um, when, when, you were, when you were all taking part in this um, and as you were listening, as we all listened to one another, didn't we? That was one of the incredible things you just talked about being collaborative. We, we very much felt like we were in this together. Um, what inspired you as you were listening in to these other women's voices uh, doing the talks? Uh, Rebecca? Uh, I think I'll come back to my point about the uh, unravelling. I, I feel like there was just this real, with every story you heard, you felt like you were just getting kind of really under the skin of it or there were sort of layers and layers of depth that you we'd almost glossed over or not really explored because they were stories I think that have often been overlooked and so it felt like an opportunity to really sort of peel back those layers and I've just really learned something new in every single 
talk we heard in this series, you know, there was just something new there that was really inspiring. And did you at any point feel like it was you being unravelled? Yeah, I think there was, oh, that's a, that's a tough question, isn't it? But yeah, I think so. I think there was a real, there were bits of that. I think what Joe said, there were times when I was like, oh, I've really got to check my privilege here or, you know, where's my place in this story or where is my place not in this story? And so, yeah, I think there was a real process of being confronted with some of those things as well Mm. as um, being comforted in some other ways by some of the resonance of some of the experiences. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks. Danielle, Joe, either of you want to chip in? What's uh, inspired you as you listened, Joe? Um, yeah, I mean, loads, but I think, I think for me, just the courage of these women, you know, the bravery, and they had to do things that, you know, actually put their lives at risk. I think, you know, when we sometimes think about what it means to be brave or courageous, we are framing that in a, in a very particular context, in a particular time. Um, and, you know, like, I think that the whole, you know, like what, I think it was you, Jill, that spoke about the bleeding woman, you know, that she was kind of, she dared to enter the city when she would have been kind of banished and probably lived outside of it. And if she'd been identified as as being in there, potentially her life would have been at risk or, you know, just to, to have the courage to, approach Jesus to, to kind of go somewhere that you were banished from being is and the potential cost and the risk of that like again Miriam and the midwives and you know lying <laughs> you know just being yeah, being yeah. being super yeah. brave and courageous to the point where their own lives were at risk I think that is like a, that is like bravery on a whole other level I think and it's interesting isn't it that that bravery thing is often it's often framed in a like in a male way, isn't it? We we perceive bravery in a particular, um, yeah. Like, like or, or do you just think that? Oh, yeah. Well, they're really brave. You immediately imagine that's somebody who's a male character carrying those uh, traits. But there's something, isn't there? Like the the vulnerability that comes out in all of the stories that we explored. I think the courageous it did, it vulnerability. Like it very often didn't have the same risk. So when we think about biblical male characters being brave and um yeah, that like that's what comes to mind. But actually so often when men had to do similar things, their lives weren't at risk. They weren't at risk of being banished from the city or, you know, um yeah, just some of the economics, some of the things that women had to endure. So even, you know, what happened when they were widowed or what happened when there was no protection no fam you know like just Mm. that was totally different for women than it was for men so yeah completely it's just it's not the same type of of bravery yeah thanks Danielle well you get that don't you as you um dig into the stories and that's I've you know the story of Miriam and the story of Moses in the basket in the water I've heard that since I was a child but I've not really thought about who Miriam was, what risk she took about her mother, about even the Egyptian princess and um, the what she did in rescuing a Hebrew boy that the Pharaoh had ordered to be killed. And so those characters have always been there. It's not that I didn't know they existed, but I haven't thought about them um, other than 
in a telling of the text where Moses was the centre of the story. So, so the the women weren't really explored, and so so that particular story, I just I, and I'd, I'd heard the story of the midwives told before. Um, John Bell has a really great take on the midwife story. It's very funny. There's a lot of comedy in their story, but. But it was, you know, I just thoroughly enjoyed hearing that story because here were all these female characters, none of whom I'd paid very much attention to um, until you begin to to think about them and read a little bit more about them as well. Um, And the same with the story of Rahab, again, like bizarrely, really, given the context, that's a story that I've got told in Sunday school. Um, (laughs) And yet um, I don't think I've ever thought about Rahab's courage before. Um, I'd I'd thought about you know that again the story in the way that I'd read it before had centered on um, on the Israelite spies and she's just kind of a, a bit part a prop um, a part of the story that makes this other thing happen um, so so I just really enjoyed taking time to think about stories and it's amazing how much is there even in women who appear in like these tiny cameos. So I, I mentioned when I spoke just um, a woman called Shira, um, who I'd, I picked up, Re- Rebecca had shared a podcast about something else, a, a sermon someone had um, preached, and this, this story came up. So then I looked it up, um, and it was just a couple of lines about a granddaughter of Joseph who built three cities, and, and you carry on reading, and then you stop and you think, she built three cities? Three cities. <laughs> so hang on a second, she's a she's a city builder like she's a and that doesn't just mean she like went around building houses she ruled three cities right Mm. um and one of them is my favorite little bit one of them was um she named um listen to shira that was the name of the city (laughs) just think that's amazing (laughs) but i'd never ever heard that name before a tiny little cameo but it immediately tells you so much about her and who she was yeah and it's I found it interesting like listening to all of them there were these there were common themes coming out weren't there and, and it felt like um we were recentering the stories uh which just felt really powerful to do like to you know like navigate everything that we were saying by placing the woman in the story as the center point suddenly the richness of the stories was transformed like it just to me that was it was like pulling back the curtain each week and going there's more to this it's like you said Rebecca you know like it's peeling back the onion you know and the unraveling of more and more. Is there anything else that y- you noticed as we were as we were working through all that together that, that really struck you? Yeah, I think um, I think it was something that came up again and again for me was how many stories or how many women are like unseen, unheard, or unnoticed. You know, um, even by us. So it's you know just obviously the whole the whole way the bible was written you know that it was kind of put together by men you know that the writers were all male there's a kind of a slant on the narrative that perhaps always makes the experiences of women a little bit unseen or unheard or unnoticed and I think I don't realize that I've kind of I'm part of that or I've fallen for that and 
you know even just what Danielle said like I had no idea about that you know because you don't you just don't you you kind of get swept into the narrative and the way that it's told you get told who the main characters are and and then that's that's what you then you're kind of part of it so I think for me there's this really it's almost changed the way I think that I would now approach the Bible I would now notice those right okay well who is that person then and what is that name and you know I want to know more about some of those you know and I think then there's a there's an application for outside the Bible isn't there so actually who are we not hearing who are we not noticing who whose voice is is silenced and how do we raise up those voices and and yeah hear what they have to say mm, absolutely. yeah yeah I think it is really easy isn't it to sort of gloss over those small bits of the text because because like you say it's like oh there's this whole massive narrative about Moses so let's listen to that. That's clearly important because it takes up all this space, but you lose all that richness and depth that is to be found in the smaller interactions and in those little moments. So yeah, I agree. I think it makes me, it makes me want to look more closely when I read the Bible and to really sort of dig into and pay attention to those, those small bits. So taking that then, how did you how, 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 as as you were, as you were thinking this stuff through. I mean, it's impossible, isn't it, for any of us, whoever is ever preparing talks or anything, to not also think like, what's happening in my own life, <laughs> like what's my own experience, and how how do I integrate that? How do I relate that into? How are they speaking to each other? My experience and what I'm reading here as I as I center the woman in the story here. You know, like what was going on for you when, as you were, because you all did it when you spoke. You all brought in that aspect of yourselves into the story. Danielle, did you have any reflections on that? Yeah, I think so. Whenever you speak you are doing exactly that you're you're encountering this story or this subject through your lens um and so um whenever I come to think about women in the bible I'm aware that I'm you know I'm drawing on all my own experience both positive and negative um as a woman in different spaces and maybe particularly in church spaces um and so you know, that idea of how much women's stories are centred in the text or heard or understood or how the text has been used to define the roles of women and whether that really sits true with the whole sweep of the Bible narrative. That's something I feel quite passionately about. Um, I think this time round, I was I was really aware. We, we all talked quite a lot about power, I noticed, mm. um, because I think we were very consciously doing that that sort of questioning of, of where is power in the text. And um, and I think we were all really aware that all of us were speaking also from position of privilege. Um, and I think we tried our best to be mindful of that, but I think equally there'll be things that each of us are blind to. So it was kind of like, even in, even in recognising maybe some ways in which we've had experience of being marginalised um, in some spaces on account of gender, um, I think we were also trying to, you know, trying to broaden that that lens and that narrative as we spoke to, to sort of, to make sure that we were a, a mindful of the ways in which 
um, we also carried privilege. I, I remembered a tweet that I'd seen and I wish I'd saved it so I knew who said it, but someone was commenting about, um, this is like a very, very Christian tweet, this, but they were commenting <laughs> on um, the story of Esther and how women's Bible studies, I think it was an American tweet, women's Bible study groups like to study the story of Esther um, and particularly, it was particularly talking about sort of white female culture in the church and saying, I just want people to know that, like, if you're like in a kind of white majority space and you're a white woman studying Esther, you, like, you're not Esther, you're Haman's wife building the gallows higher. And that really spoke to me of like, be careful where you identify yourself in the text and allow that question about power, like, ask it of yourself. Don't just um kind of don't don't just um assume where you stand in the text and what it says to you so I found that you know that that really did resonate with me through this whole series that's um you probably detected that in what I said on this last Sunday like I was really I was really conscious of that suddenly as you're reading it you're like whoa who's who's isn't it interesting how you always assume you're the victim? Yeah. And and here you are with huge privilege. You're, you know, so, and as soon as you make that shift, suddenly everything else shifts. So, yeah, Rebecca, have you got any thoughts about, you know, your own, your own journey and, and what you were saying? Yeah, I think it was kind of very similar. You know, you've got to acknowledge your privilege in all of those situations and in all of those texts. And I think Joe said earlier, didn't she, about, oh, uh, you know, am I really having to be brave or am I really having to be courageous compared to, you know, when the, when the midwives in the story around Miriam had to be brave and stand against injustice, like the threat was real there in a way that, is not true to my experience and I think it sort of challenged me to think how do we not um, minimalize the discrimination or the harassment or that you know I have experienced through my experience of being a woman but equally you know I have real privilege that needs to be checked and needs to be acknowledged in that situation as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah thanks Rebecca. Joe what about you? A wise one. Oh, oh, no pressure. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. Like, I think that I think I've been thinking a lot around silence. So I've mentioned already about this sense of kind of people being unseen, unheard. So I think it's on all of our minds at the moment. Um, mm. You know about you know the the sexual harassment and assault that women you know experience sometimes on a daily basis, um, and how embedded that is into our culture, and obviously with the whole. Sarah Everard and you know uh, the response to that the reaction to that so I think all of that in at the same time as all of this has kind of made me think about so so many women have shared their stories online and some have talked about this you know their experiences of of nobody said anything you know I was I was on a train and somebody made a comment or somebody touched me and and everyone just looked away or sat in silence or and so I I think there's something around how do we not be silent to enable something to be unseen? And I think I've been, uh, yeah, just thinking about that a bit. And I remember I was in the centre of of Bath where I live and um, 
I was queuing for a bus and uh, I was with my wife, Sarah, and there was a situation at the bus stop next to us where there was um, a, a sort of couple of teenage girls, quite young teenage girls. And there was a, a man who had his shirt off. He was clearly intoxicated. He was, there was just everything about the interaction was something in me knew it wasn't right. Um, and money was exchanged. A, a package was exchanged and the girl sat at the bus stop looked afraid and in that moment I was like I need to go and check if she's okay so I, I went over and I just didn't make on eye contact with the guy at all I just looked at her and I said are you okay do you want to come and sit with me and she was like really aggressive like no I'm fine get lost and you know so then I kind of just said are you sure you're okay and she was like yeah I'm fine so then I walked off and then this guy came after me and was you know, really, really aggressive. It was in my face, shouting at me. You know, it was was really clearly intoxicated and started ranting. And and I was, at that point, I was concerned for my safety and had Sarah with me. And and there were people all around, and nobody said anything. Nobody jumped in. Nobody. And this guy was like, you know, really close to my face. And I just stayed really calm and managed to de-escalate him. And was, you know, agreed with everything he said. I was like, you're absolutely right. I was completely wrong. You know, I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, I just wanted to check she was okay. And I just just kept calm. And eventually, he, you know, mm. said some other crazy stuff. And then off he went. And it was just that experience of like in in speaking out and trying to protect that person, I then became somebody that was attacked and then nobody else. And it was just really interesting, that whole kind mm. of situation. And I always remember, I remember being on the bus and, you know, Sarah was really, you know, frightened by it. So was, I, I was really shaken and we were, you know, I was thinking, should I, should, did I do the right thing? Should I've just stayed away? Should I phone the police? Cause I, I knew they wouldn't come or they wouldn't make it in time. And I think those questions are really hard, aren't they? About what, what do we do? in a situation like that when actually then we can become vulnerable or, you know, what, what would have been the right thing to do. And, and in, in lots of situations like that, how do we, if I saw somebody on a train, you know, a guy sits next, you know, a situation like that, would I intervene or would I encourage others to intervene or how would I? And I think for me, there's, there's still some unanswered questions about mm. the right way to respond in a way that doesn't enable somebody else's experience to be unseen. Mm. I don't have the answers but I think it's just made me really think about it all yeah yeah definitely it's like the series came for us didn't it at the time when these stories were just like popping up like we knew we know those stories have always been there because that's a, that's our lived experience but uh, and yeah it's really powerful thanks for um yeah that's yeah I get that story you've just told. It's like it's big, isn't it? It's big. Um, so we haven't got long left, but is there anything that you wish, if we were to do that series again, that you wish you would say, you, you know, you're like, oh, you just really annoyed myself I didn't say <laughs> that if I could have just communicated that is, is there anything you think of yeah that would have been I feel like if we're all silent at this point it's like we thought we got it yeah, it's not very humble perfect yeah <laughs> nailed it nailed, nailed it, it I know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> I think two things for me one is one is you know there are 
There are 111 women named in the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament. Um, and any time that this is the second time we've done a series of just telling the stories of women and every, and both times I just wanted to know that we're going to talk about the story of women at other points in in our mm. um, community and in our time together so you know I don't know how many women's names we named between us in the talks that we gave but definitely wouldn't have been 111 and some of them are New Testament characters so I'm like that for me, I know that's obviously that's not something we could have done in a in a series, but like normal, you know, not making this a, a sort of exceptional experience, yeah. but that our conversation, our reading of the Bible would be truly kind of inclusive in who we notice yeah. and what we talk about. Yeah. And I guess the second thing for me was just um I cited the intro week and tried to sort of um, set us up and I um, I would have loved to spend time talking about some of the really difficult stories about women in the Bible um, and I kind of mentioned it in passing um, and yeah I mean there's too much to try and say about that but I think you know there are there are lots of questions for me I don't you know the Bible isn't always an easy thing to read and there's lots of things that I can't reconcile um, about what happens to women in the text and whether that matters to anybody or whether it seems to matter to God or not. So like, there's a whole load more um, in that. And I think those things are, I think those stories are really important as well. Um, and so even though they're difficult, um, yeah, I'm always... They need to be talked about. They do need to be talked about. Mm. And maybe because of some of the things that Joe was just talking about, they resonate with our experiences um, as well. And so we need to hear each other speak yeah. about them. Yeah. Thanks, Danielle. What about you, Rebecca? Um, I think in terms of what I spoke about, I guess I just pitched this very small snapshot, which is centred around the women who surrounded Moses as a baby. But actually, I feel like that only captured a tiny part of the narrative and what we see about Miriam and how she goes on to lead the people and how she is crucial to their liberation in an ongoing basis, not just because she saves Moses in that moment, but in her own right and as her own person, I think it's a really inspiring story that, that carries on way beyond where I ran out of time to be able to speak about it anymore. So I think I'm sure that's the case with all of these stories. There's so much more that there still would have been to unpack. And as Danielle said, we only looked at such a small number of those stories that are there. Mm. And even within those, there's there'd be more to say yeah thank you what about you joe yeah that'll do yeah. <laughs> i'm happy with that for next year <laughs> no <laughs> i think there's definitely something around you know we so often with those stories because we just see this little snapshot we zoom in don't we and we kind of you know think about like the sort of you know wide angle and the you know macro lens like we go in sort of zoom in don't we and, and look at that particular moment or that story but actually what are some of the bigger like systems and structures that mm. are, are in which where women are located and almost what what are the stories of those and how they were created and how they impact people and even some of the kind of institutions yeah that exist so you know um I don't know why, like marriage popped into my head, you know, like the whole history of yeah. that as a system and an institution, how that's, how that kind of, you know, ends up setting women up as like property and a possession, you know, when you think about like 
an engagement ring like the history of that was to yeah. sort of show that person was essentially owned wasn't it like yeah. Yeah. um so like some of those systems that we don't question like we we see i think generally most christians would have a very positive view of of marriage um and i'm not saying i don't i'm married but um there's a there's a story to be told around the history yeah. of the system and the institution of marriage and does that align with god's idea of covenant and commitment and yeah yeah some of how that impacts women so i don't that's just maybe, one example maybe but. you've you've just actually described the next series for us yeah, I want to hear like, that. yeah like how, how's how do we take these stories into understanding systems and the toxicity that exists in systems and uh, exploring the history like you say the history that leads us to the place where we are now and what what that does for you know all of us not not just some of us but for all of us so um danielle you can you can bring us uh, slightly towards a close but everyone's going to comment so in terms of the process yeah. we know that we did this quite differently in terms of the development of what we did so do you want to just talk a little bit about that and then um uh, Rebecca and Joe, if you just want to join in with any reflections on what Danielle has said. So this is um, this is the second time we did a, a series this time last year, also kind of timed around International Women's Day called Hooray for the Matriarchy. Then we did this series this year. And the same thing has happened both times. Um, so I don't know whether this is like a gendered comment or not, but it is just how we've put these two series together. Um, I think because we started with quite a blank sheet of paper, um, or if you like, free reign and permission to say what it is, what is it that we want to talk about? What stories do we want to tell? Um, so this for me has just, I, I, I preach occasionally. Normally you get a title, a topic, maybe a kind of a paragraph note on, could you cover this area? But the next person in the series is doing this bit. Whereas this has just been so different. So it's just been 100% collaborative. So I think for me, the, the best thing about it has been the process. And I, you know, that's <laughs> that's like a little selfish because everybody else who's, who's um, been watching the Global Gathering doesn't get involved in the process. But, you know, we've we started by by just talking together as a group of um, those who were going to do the talks about what did we want to talk about we started sharing ideas on different um, women's stories in the bible we each recommended a few different books to each other or particularly podcasts so that we weren't all spending fortune on really expensive theology books and also you know time um and and just began developing our ideas we had a whatsapp group and yeah for me it was the kind of the collaboration the swapping of ideas the real deliberate kind of reach out into to seeking out other other women's voices and some really amazing theologians and preachers and speakers that we were all referencing and then um the amount of encouragement and support so people were checking back in saying I'm thinking about this but I'm not sure um, what do you think I think everybody wrote their talk and then emailed it to everybody and everyone commented back and then just like the amount of encouragement and not like like not thin encouragement but real constructive commentary back to each other about things that we'd appreciated about what each other had said and brought to the table so just a really different experience of how to create something together 
um, that that I've just loved and loved yeah. both times that we've done it. Yeah, I um, I always find it interesting when I get into it researching for a sermon, but I don't know if other people feel like this, but sometimes it can feel like a bit of a slog, like, okay, come on, like, got to do this. Um, but for this one, I feel like there was just this like spark that there was real sort of energy that, that felt was there behind it, that it was like, actually, I enjoyed the whole process and found it quite inspiring. And yeah, you kind of felt like there were all of these other people doing the same thing who kind of had your back in the process. And um, you could sort of bounce ideas off of, or if you weren't sure about something, there was there was somewhere to go. And I think that just made the whole process more inspiring and more interesting and gave different perspectives to it. Yeah, there's some really interesting resources that we shared in the process that I'll definitely come back to as well. So, um, yeah. Nice. What about you, Joe? Anything? Yeah, I think I'd love that sense of, and I think Danielle's right, so often when we plan a, a preaching series, it's like, right, you do this, you do that. It's like a cake and we slice it all up and you have that bit and I have that bit and, and actually we forget that it's a whole thing, you know. Mm. Um, I'm talking about cake. and you, it, wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't take long for me to talk about it. I've made it throughout the whole thing. Well done. <laughs> One minute to go and you main, yeah. main the Thanks, cake. everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think this idea of remembering that, yeah, that the collaboration always makes things better. It's like a refining process, isn't it? That when we bounce things off each other, that, you know, there's a point that we, we do it in community and that, you know, originally when, you know, this kind of idea of being, being a very separate, this is my talk and here it is. And mm. this idea of kind of bringing back conversation into, um, you know, interpreting and picking apart scripture that, you know, sometimes we do that afterwards, don't we? But it was interesting for me to do that in the beginning stages of creating a talk or, you know, something exploring. We might discuss it after somebody's given a talk, but the idea of almost that collaborative mm. sort of teamwork before, I think was really interesting. It's something that, you know, I want to think about how we can do that in Bath as well. And yeah, just generally be more collaborative with the stuff that we that we do and put out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think as I, well for me, it's like it was a learning experience throughout, which is, um, I wonder if sometimes we need to say this, that it's really easy to imagine that someone that gets up and um, stands up at the front of a church or now in front of a camera has all the answers and is like on some higher, higher plane um, or has like spent years studying or something like that. And I just thought like genuinely explored and learned together as we figured out what we might want to say. And everybody had insight, everybody pointed in directions that that like you know I I couldn't have written any of the talks that everybody else did um everybody bought something um of, of their experience and their knowledge and and yeah but I think it just like no one started with the assumption that oh don't worry I've got this I know I know all about this I'm I'm there it was not just collaborative but I think just like genuinely exploring the ideas together um, and and you know coming out with something that we thought was worth saying um yeah. and I, I really yeah. appreciated that honesty as well so it's interesting and um, with this we will close it was interesting for me to see how the things that we were talking about so we were saying about bringing the the, the female character the woman into the center it was about raising their voice it was like it it 
it was like there was this mirroring thing going on with the process as to yeah. what we were saying in the in the sermons so it, it those two things kept coming together and and for me that's just a really interesting thing to recognize whoever we are male female you know that there's something there's something different that happens when you when you do bring those different voices into the into the space where creativity can break out in a different way and um you find threads that you've never seen you've not even like oh i, I never noticed that and and for me that's something about the magic it's probably a dodgy expression to use but that's something <laughs> about the 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 wonder when you're preparing talks is oh there it is like there's that there's that thing that's just so precious so I think it was a privilege wasn't it it was a joy to do it and um like I say Joe's written the series for next year so uh, and we still want to hear the rest of Miriam (laughs) yeah yeah thank you so much all of you really appreciate it Um, thanks for being here